it just feels like the Clippers are cursed. Like, even when it seems like they're finally doing the things right, for example, getting Kawhi Leonard and Paul George last year, it felt like this was the turn of them getting like, their franchise in order. Hello and welcome to the Monday, December 21st edition of the TV on Basketball Podcast with your host TV. Hope your day is going extremely well and thank you for clicking on to watch or listen to today's episode. Before we start, I have to plug my other platforms. Remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates on the podcast and for other great content. If you're on YouTube, remember to like this video share it with your friends, and also subscribe so you don't miss the next one. And if you are an, on, on any of the podcast networks, remember to subscribe or leave a review if you're on Apple. As for Spotify, Anchor, or Podbean listeners, continue to sh- um, show your support in any way you can. I really do appreciate it. I have a great show lined up for you today. I have, I'm going to be talking about the Rudy Gobert contract that he just got. I'm be making my Defensive Player of the Year pick, which I didn't do in that episode with no layup, so I'll be making that today. going to be talking about um, the James Harden trade rumors, and also I'm going to be starting a new segment at the end of this show, so better watch out for that. So yeah, just sit back, sit back relax, and let's en- and just enjoy this first topic. The first topic we're going to be, be discussing is the Rudy Gobert contract. This kind of shocked the NBA world yesterday because Rudy Gobert um, was going to be a free agent after this upcoming season. But the Utah Jazz, you know, made uh, made it a point to make sure to have him locked up for the next six years, basically. He signed an extension, um, five-year, $205 million co- contract, which is absolutely crazy. Honestly, this is the third largest contract in NBA history. History. Just, I want that to get to your head. Third largest largest contract in NBA history for Rudy Gobert. Let me just let that sink into your head a little bit. I mean, it's a massive contract. And congratulations to Rudy Gobert for making his bread. I didn't think that the Utah Jazz would offer him nearly that amount. Because although I believe that he is the most valuable player on the Jazz, I mean... People love to look at Donovan Mitchell's style um, style of play and say that he is the um, best player, which he probably is, let's be honest, in terms of just creating the ball for others, um, getting his own shot. It's probably going to be Donovan Mitchell. But the reason this um, Jazz is a team the way it is is because Rudy Gobert makes them like a top 10, top 5 defense every single year, and he's always in the mix for Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, he already has two of those in his cabinet, and he's always near the top of the league in defensive win shares. I swear, the last few years he's like, like in the range between two to five. Like, he is absolutely important to that team. And in this in a city like Utah, where it's it's not like it's a great free agent destination, and I think that was a big reason why they decided to make this deal in the first place. Because let's be honest, you're not going to be um, um, Utah is not a free agent destination. And Rudy Gobert, like, you you couldn't lose him for nothing. You just couldn't. And they decided to bring him back. And 
I mean, he is vital to this team's success, so they definitely need to, brought him, to bring him back. But for five years, 205, that's my biggest issue with that. He got the Supermax deal. I mean, he was eligible for it. I, 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 I was shocked when I saw that the Utah Jazz actually pulled the trigger. I'm honestly super surprised. Just because Rudy Gobert is just so limited in terms of his style of play. He is an elite defender. I am not taking that away from him. And like I said, he's the most valuable player to the Jazz's success. But when I give, if I'm a, if I'm a GM or if I'm a team, and I'm wanting to say like, who am I giving Supermax money to? I want them to have like an all-around type game or influence the game, like more on the offensive end more than anything, because defense is Rudy Gobert's calling card. But on the offensive end, he is extremely limited to just catching lobs and putbacks. He is not a great post player, and he, and he is like playing a dying position. Let's be, let's be completely upfront here. I know the center position is important, but we are transitioning into more um, of the center position. People with people like you know Nikola Jokic and Anthony Davis. You need to be able to shoot the three. Sometimes you're gonna have to be able to handle the ball, and Rudy Gobert does not give you any of that. And the Utah Jazz locked him up for five years. Just five years. For five years, over $200 million. It's just not worth it, in my opinion. It really isn't worth it. And like I said, the third largest contract in the in, in NBA history um, to lock up Rudy Gobert. I just don't think it's worth it. I mean, I, I just would like my Supermax player to do more than just be an elite defender, you know? I'm not saying that he's replaceable because it's hard to replace someone who can give you that much value on defensive end but i'm not giving him more than 30 million a year i'm sorry i'm just not especially with his limited offensive abilities i am not giving him more than 30 million dollars and this guy's getting over 40 i just don't think it's 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 not worth it whatsoever and if we look like down the line like a few years from now we're going to be looking at this as an untradeable contract a la john wall a la russell westbrook yes they could be traded for each other but it's going to be near an untradeable contract, especially this is going to go up to when Rudy Gobert is like in his um, early, um, to his mid-30s. And do I think he'll still be effective? Probably. He could probably still be an effective player by then, but is he worth super max money? Especially because you still have to pay Donovan Mitchell and stuff. I just think you're just completely limiting yourself if you're the Utah Jazz. And with Rudy Gobert being... Like one of your top guys, especially on the contract books when you can't bring in really anyone else, you're capping yourself. And that's just not, and I think the Utah Jazz has kind of like, with this signing especially, just put themselves in the corner here. And I think they'll still be competing over the next few years, but at the same time, they really like limit themselves to like how good they can actually be. They're going to have to hope that Donovan Mitchell becomes a superstar type player, but with him and Rudy Gobert and some pretty good role players, let's be completely honest around them, you know, with Bogdanovich, Connolly and all that. It's it's a good team, but it's just not going to take you very far. And if they want to have some finals aspirations, this is just not the lineup to do so. So, uh, it's, I don't know, man. I mean, I really do like Rudy Gobert. I really do think like he is so vital to that team. But for a Supermax, it's just not worth it whatsoever. I mean, congratulations to him, but the Jazz... Oh, tough, tough business over here. 
let's move to this. We're going to be staying in the Western Conference here, and I didn't think I would be talking more about the Clippers um, before, right before the season starts, which I will be doing actually even more in this podcast because I'm going to be, talk, be talking about opening night. But... The LA Clippers are back in the news, and it's not on the basketball court because there has been some drama in the Clippers organization. Shocker, huh? And this had to do um, back to the Kawhi Leonard signing back in um, 2019, and the LA Clippers are being sued. They're being sued by a man by the name of Johnny Wilkes because he claimed that he didn't get paid for the help he gave to the Clippers when they were trying to acquired Kawhi Leonard. I mean, Johnny Wilkes is a close, is close to Kawhi's agent, which is his uncle Dennis, and apparently he was hired alongside Sam Watson, to um by Jerry West and the Clippers to help. I wouldn't. Some people would like to say tamper, and there there um there was that those reports, and also with TMZ they also leaked um a voicemail. That was left by supposedly Jerry West to Sam Watson, talking about how he would like to thank Wilkes and him for for the help they gave, and he talked and he basically just talked about in the voicemail that um, he he felt really confident trying to get Kawhi because he could give Kawhi the number one star treatment, and he also said on the phone that the Lakers were an absolute dumpster fire, that he believed that Kawhi would never choose them. Which is like, and which is really funny because Jerry West, although he is a consultant for the Los Angeles Clippers, he's a Lakers legend. <laughs> I mean, one of the greatest Lakers of all time. He is the NBA logo. It's weird that he was, um, um, well, in, in his words, called them a shit show. I mean, it's just a, it's just weird that you say it to, especially like your, your one team that you played for your whole career, where all the fans love you. It's just, it was just really. Really, you know, sketchy like this whole th- this whole thing, and this has led to an NBA. This has led to the NBA investigating this situation. What I find crazy about the situation is not the situation itself. I mean, there's always going to be some sort of tampering, and the NBA is always trying to like bog down on this. Like they don't want any tampering to happen and stuff like that. Like literally, like the like a simple comment about an NBA player. And a player could be t- fined for tampering, which is absolutely hilarious. But what I find hilarious about this is that the Clippers just always cannot get out of drama. They just can't. Whether it's the Donald Sterling situation, which is a whole mess, but thank God they got rid of him. The 3-1 lead blown um, last year, which subsequently led to, you know, people talking about, oh, they don't like the way that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George carried themselves compared to the rest of the team. And just incompetence, like before the Lob City era, like just the incompetence of the Clippers where they just couldn't hit on draft picks, they couldn't get like a, a good team on the basketball court for their fans. And they're always in the shadow of the Lakers. Like, it just felt like they've just been like a mess of a franchise ever since they were, since they ever, since they were born, honestly. And it just feeds into the narrative, which I've mentioned before in this podcast, but it just feels like the Clippers are cursed. Like, even when it seems like they finally doing the things right. For example, getting Kawhi Leonard and Paul George last year. It felt like this was the turn of them getting like their franchise in order, and they even like messed that up. 
Like, like that even ended in disaster. But this is just crazy how much the Clippers, no matter what they try to do right, it always just ends up going wrong for them. And this is this really does feel like a Clippers curse at this point. I mean, hopefully they can find their groove soon. I mean, this upcoming season, you know, they, I think they're more determined to, um, more determined ever to kind of right their wrongs and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's the freaking Clippers who, who knows what's really gonna happen because, they really when things start, seem like you know, things should be going right, it'll just end up going to shits, and maybe the Clippers are the shit show compared to the Lakers, because this is, because along with this and like all those other things I that I mentioned before, it just feels like the Clippers just cannot get out of their own way, and they're gonna need to make this work because they're getting in their new arena. They're getting their own arena, and they want to have fans at the arena. They want to have buzz around them, and they want positive buzz. So they're going to need to clean things up, and hopefully, you know, whether I think this is going to go through or not, I don't think there's like enough there. Maybe more information will come out afterwards to see if um, there's actually like more there, if there's more to it, um, this situation, but... I just think that this is just kind of like help. It's it's easy to like help make this like pile on the Clippers. You know what I mean? Like, there's you you could talk about like all these other situations with the Clippers, and this is just another thing you could put on top of it. Try to make fun of them or just just talk about their incompetence, which is crazy. But yeah, the Clippers, man, it's a crazy how they were able to um, just find themselves in the news, and this is right before the season as well. So. Let's see where this um, investigation goes. But the Clippers, man. The Clippers. That's all. Let's move to this. Um, the James Harden trade rumors are still up and about. Even until now. I mean, James Harden played, I think, one game in preseason. It was an okay game. I saw him hit a couple of shots. There, one of the most talked about things, though, was that James Harden did look a bit pudgy um, in his preseason um, opener. I, I really don't think that was, like, what he actually looked like. I just think that it was more of a camera thing or some sort of Photoshop. But at the same time, you know, James Harden has not been looking good in the news over the past few weeks. And these trade rumors are still, you know, out and about. And it feels like they will never end. It feels like there's something new every single day. But maybe there is a light at the end of the tunnel for these trade rumors. Because there have been reports that the Rockets are really trying to push this trade for Harden by Tuesday. And if you're listening to this on Monday, that's tomorrow, which is the start of the regular season. And there are three teams that are in these trade rumors, but the Rockets are trying to kind of go outside, you know, James Harden's preferred um, destinations. But the three teams that have been in the rumors have been the same teams in the rumors all Throughout this offseason, whether it's the Sixers, the Heat, and the Brooklyn Nets. With the 76ers, there have been comp- conflicting reports, especially because um, I believe there was a report like last week that Ben Sim- they said that Ben Simmons was probably going to be in the trade if they were to acquire James Harden. And I think like that was reported by Shams. But then Dale Moore refuted it on his Instagram, I believe a few hours after the report, that he says that Ben Simmons, he wants to keep them like, on the team long-term, and he believes that he is a future MVP. So those are kind of um, interesting, you know, conflicting reports. 
I am high on Simmons, so I don't like the idea of trading him for James Harden. It is probably a better fit than Simmons and Bede. But with this new roster, I just want to see them try and work it out first before they like want to split them up. Just give this this team a chance because you have two generational talents here. You have, and you, I would just want to try and like see if they can work this out, especially with a new coach, especially with a new management. And the thing about the Daryl the Daryl Moore thing, like we've seen GMs, we've seen coaches come out and talk about how oh these rumors are BS and all that. We want our guy. He's our guy. And then a few hours later, or a few days later, they go out and trade him still. Let's look at the John Wall situation. I mean, the general manager came out and was like, oh, yeah, these rumors for John Wall, they're nothing. We want to keep him around. He's our guy. And then he ends up getting traded to the Rockets. That's just the way this business is. But at the same time, I really do think in my that the the Sixers should really like stick with Ben Simmons, at least for this season. For the Brooklyn Nets, we know what their their offer is going to be. Something along the lines of Laverde, Dinwiddie, Allen as the main people and then whatever else they can offer. If I'm Brooklyn, I really wouldn't want to do that trade either. Just because I don't want to give up like all my depth for another ball-demanding superstar. I just don't think you have like three guys who are used to being the primary ball handler just come together like that. And I just don't think it's going to work out as good as they think it is. But at the same time, you know, stars win you championships. And if the Brooklyn Nets are able to pull off a trade for James Harden, then, you know, I think they're really comfortable with that going into the finals, you know, going up against, you know, the Lakers and against their two stars, you know. Imagine Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant taking on Anthony Davis and LeBron James. It's going to be a pretty good matchup. I mean, the Lakers probably do have the depth because... Um, the James Harden trade would require the Nets to give up basically everything. But at the same time, it's three freaking superstars, three top 15 players. So it's probably going to be pretty good chance that they, that they would play well. But I wouldn't do it myself just because I really do think that Dinwiddie, Allen, and Overt are good players. And I think they just help relieve duties off of Katie and Kyrie. And I think they, and plus they work together. They know the system. It probably would be better if they just kept him around. And then obviously there's the Miami Heat, who I believe are a dark horse title contender at this point. I talked about it in my Eastern Conference predictions. But is James Harden even a good fit um, at this point? Like, I don't know like to what extent they want to give up their assets. Because they're not giving away Bam. They're not giving away um, Jimmy. That means Tyler Hero's on the table. Duncan Robinson. Kendrick Nunn. Is that enough for the Rockets to take that? I don't know, and I don't know if um, the Heat have enough, you know, draft capital in order to also make that trade happen. And if I'm the Heat, I mean, I just don't think that James Harden messes with their culture. Miami has done a fantastic job working through the draft, creating this roster, and just creating this culture where everyone is buying in. And I don't know if they, if bringing James Harden is going to mess with that um, in some way. So although these these teams are interested I am still like unsure of the fit for all of them like James Harden is a fantastic player no doubt about it he's probably still the best shooting guard in the league arguable with Luka Doncic but at the same time like I just don't think him on either the Sixers Heat or 
Brooklyn Nets would be best for those teams. So at this point, I don't know where he's going. And with the idea of like, the Rockets trying to trade him by tomorrow, this gives me like eerily the same vibes as like him when he got traded from OKC back in 2013 to Houston. You know, I think he was traded, I believe, two or three days before the NBA season tipped off. So this is kind of in the same vein as that. So it feels like this, these are never going to end. I wouldn't be surprised if these, the James Harden rumors, you know, extending all the way to the, to the trade deadline, which I believe this year is going to be in March, like March 25th or something. So, yeah, I mean, these James Harden rumors are probably not going to go away. But if I'm you guys, turn your post notifications on for Woj because at any point, I think this trade is going to, could be fold off. I'm actually going to check my phone right now. Nothing as of yet. But at the same time, I think this could happen any moment now. So just be aware. Just be aware. Now we got that news out the way. Let's preview opening night in the NBA. Tomorrow night, Tuesday, December 22nd, the NBA is starting up again. And opening night, it's always probably one of the best nights in basketball. And these two matchups that the NBA has for us are not going to disappoint. We have in the first game of the doubleheader, Golden State Warriors versus the Brooklyn Nets. And in the nightcap, we have the Battle of LA, Clippers versus Lakers. Let's start with the Warriors versus Nets. And this was my most wanted opening night matchup. The Nets have looked fantastic in preseason. Katie and Kyrie look like they haven't missed a step. And the Warriors are a very interesting team. Steph coming back from injury. Obviously, we haven't seen Wiggins play with Steph or really Draymond. They brought in um, Kelly Oubre as well. And we also get to see the debut of James Wiseman. I think there's some very interesting storylines here. If we look at the Golden State Warriors, my thing I'm looking at is how is the number two option going to shape up? Because it seems like it's going to be Andrew Wiggins being the number two option, but how like, how comfortable will he be in that? He's played that role a lot in his career, but will it work out with the Golden State Warriors? Will he still have those problems where he is inconsistent from the field? Or is he going to like feel more comfortable because like, oh, I have one of the greatest shooters of all time beside me and Steph Curry. And I just think that he has just more playmakers around him. Whether it's Draymond, whether it's Steph, I just think it's a better situation for him, and I'm just hoping he'll thrive in that scenario. And for the Brooklyn Nets, one of the things I'm, I'm looking at for them is who's going to start and who's coming off the bench, because you both have two shooting guards here in Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert, and I'm just wondering like who's going to do what. Because if you missed my episode last week with no layups, he said as a Brooklyn Nets fan, he likes the backcourt of Dinwiddie and Kyrie better than the Levert Kyrie backup backcourt. And so far in the preseason, they've been using Spencer Dinwiddie. And I think they're going to continue to do that throughout the regular season. Especially because Ky- um, Steve Nash has been saying in interviews that um, he believes that Karis Levert is starter material, but he envisions his role kind of like. How Monte Ginobili played in the in the San Antonio Spurs system, you know, play off the bench and just dominate second units from there. Ginobili flourished it, and he can envision the same thing for Levert. 
So yeah, those are just two very interesting um, storylines, not just for this game, but going into this season. Especially if the Nets win this game, I think they can like really establish themselves as like, okay, already, like this, they're one of the top teams in the East. And if the Warriors win this match, then we're probably going to look at the Warriors like, hmm, are we sleeping on this team? Steph is phenomenal. Maybe Draymond gets back to his all-NBA type ways. We can um, we can view each team very differently if either of them win. Excuse me. Um, in my opinion in this matchup, though, the Warriors are a bit overmatched. I do believe that the Brooklyn Nets will win this. But I think it will be a lot closer than a lot of people think. Um, and I'm going to be talking about that more later because that's going to be my match of the week. So we're going to be talking about more about that later. Let's move on to the Clippers versus Lakers because we finally get to see another iteration of this battle. Um, they did play in the preseason, but let's be honest, it's preseason. It was still a fun watch, but still, you know, it's preseason. It's always going to be a fun matchup, especially when you have them at full strength. You know, the Clippers with Kawhi and PG, Anthony Davis and LeBron. It's just going to be a really, really fun matchup. If the Clippers can win this game, which they've actually done a couple of times against the Lakers, um, I think they can really shut a lot of people up because especially if they kind of come out the gate early and show that they've kind of fixed some of those chemistry mistakes, I think a lot of people are going to look at them and like, okay, these guys are serious. This is what we wanted to see last year. And I think that the the Clippers can really fit the narrative like right away on night one, especially against the defending NBA champs. But if you're the Lakers, I mean, you there's no reason for you not to be confident against this Clippers team. You, um, you've won the championship, and you have an improved roster. Let's be honest, I just think that the Lakers somehow got better in this offseason, and now they're facing against this Clippers team who... Also got better, but they have a championship to show for their efforts last year. And the Clippers have a 3-1 um, series um, lead blown um, to show for theirs. So I think this is just going to be really fun. Kawhi and feels like he always shows up for this type of matchup. And uh, what I'm more interested to see is kind of how LeBron shows up here. Is he going to like give out his full 100% or is he going to kind of struggle like he does against the Clippers. I mean, if you guys remember in the bubble, in that one matchup they had, I believe it was the first day of the bubble, you saw LeBron struggled. He scored the game winner, but he struggled throughout that game. And he's been struggling against the Clippers' length against him. You know, when you have people like Kawhi and Paul George go up against LeBron, those are tough. Those are tough matchups. And I think that um, he's going to have some sort of struggles here. Look for Anthony Davis to be an absolute monster against the Clippers. And I, and I think that in this um, game one, I'm going to say that the Clippers kind of take this one. I think they're going to, they're a bit more motivated coming into the season. I think the Lakers, I'm not going to say they're going to cruise, but at the same time, they're going to, um, I think they still want to show that they're the NBA champs. At the same time, I think the Clippers are just want to kind of, kind of show off like right off the bat, especially with like a new coach and stuff like that, that they are going to be competing this year and that they need that the Lakers should be aware of them kind of like last year but they never really got to get to that point in the Western Conference Finals because the Clippers messed it up so um, I'm still going to be very much watching this it's going to be tough because I'm on the East Coast so I'm going to have to watch this probably 10 30 to 1 
but it's the Battle of LA. You gotta catch something like that. It's gonna be extremely interesting to watch. And yeah, I'm gonna be I think it's gonna be just a really fun opening night. Um leave your comments down below. What a match are you what matchup are you most excited for? I would like to say, like I said, Brooklyn versus um Golden State. Because that's the one kind of like I was waiting for. I mean, I was kind of pissed off that it wasn't on the Christmas Day schedule, but they got me. They got me, especially on opening night. So I'm extremely happy about that. Let's move on to the final, um, the final segments on the show. I said I, um, I said at the top of the show that I had some new series, new segments to end off here um, for Mondays and Friday episodes. So here's the thing that's going to go. On Mondays, I'm going to have this thing called the t- TV's Power 10, where I give my power rankings for the top 10 teams in the league and give kind of like a short spiel as why I believe they're there and all the way down to number one. And they're probably going to change weekly just because teams going to do better. There's going to be some injuries. So that should be changing a lot. So you should watch out for that, which I'm going to be starting very soon. Um, on Fridays, I'm going to be doing something called um, kind of... Um, the good, the bad, and the ugly, where I basically talk about um, kind of the best of the week, the kind of like okay bad of the week, and then just like ugly, just something like really bad. So I'm going to talk about that on Fridays. And then on for the week and for the weekend, I'm going to have something called my match of the, for Monday episode, it's going to be match of the week. And then on the, on my Friday episode, it's going to be match of the weekend, where I get to, um, where I get to, you know, give my matchup predictions and I'm going to kind of keep it on a tally, like on a, on a standings thing. So that should be really fun. Actually, before I get into my power, Ted, <laughs> we have to do my um, defensive player of the year pick. I'm going to be doing that right now. Um, basically what I went for here is someone who I think who can like um, impact the team's defense kind of like on the inside and outside. And it really came down to two players for me. Giannis could definitely be in the mix again, but I don't think he'll win back-to-back. I think it's between Anthony Davis and Ben Simmons. Um, and I'm going to kind of go bold here. I think I'm going to go with Ben Simmons going to win Defensive Player of the Year this year. Especially with a with a new roster, I think that they lost a lot of their defensive depth. And I, but I still think they're still going to do really well just because they have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid in that starting lineup. Two defensive animals. And... Ben Simmons, you know, always going to be near the top of the league in steals. And he'll always have over a block a game. And he has that type of defense similar to Kawhi where it's noticeable. He has highlight defensive plays. So I think that that's going to really help his case. And I really do think he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. For some reason I forgot that award when I did my award predictions with no layup. So, yeah, sorry about that. But I do have Ben Simmons winning that. But I can definitely still see the case for Anthony Davis. Um... He was he basically came second last year, and especially if the Lakers are top five, he's gonna be looked at as the defensive anchor on that team. And if they have a really good record, I think that will just help continue to help his case. So, yeah, I mean the defensive player of the year award is something more that you it's more it feels like it's more of a team award because but you gotta kind of look at them, like those like top defensive teams and okay who are the best players. And I think that Ben Simmons and and be, sorry and Anthony Davis will be among the best there, but I have Ben Simmons winning that award this year. But yeah, we got that quickly out the way. Let's start with TV's Power 10. 
And speaking of Ben Simmons, we're going to start at number 10. We're going to have the Philadelphia 76ers in my power rankings. This team is built for Embiid and Simmons. I think a lot of people are sleeping on them. And they really could have a chance at the finals this year. Let's move on to number 9. And my number 9 team on my power rankings is the Golden State Warriors. People forget how great Steph is. And championship organizations just know how to like figure things out. So you can never count them out. Number 8, I have the Toronto Raptors. Unlike the um, Golden State Warriors, please sleep on the Raptors. Just please. They just The Raptors want that to happen. They play at their best when they're doubted. And like me, I have them near the, like near 6th in the East. I think they're going to try and prove me wrong here. I have them 8th in my power rankings. Number 7, I have the Boston Celtics. They didn't really improve this year, but they have one of the best young cores in the league. Tatum's going to take the next step. Brown's probably going to take the next step. We're going to have to wait for Kemba to see if he'll um, do better this year, but they will always be in the mix in terms of cut title contenders. Number six, I have the Denver Nuggets. Um, I think they're going to prove this year that this that the last season was not a fluke. They are a damn good team, and they're going to prove it with a really good offensive lineup. And I'm excited to see because they're going to be an extremely fun watch this year. But Jamal Murray, man, you're going to have to prove it for a whole season. You could be a top PG in this league. Number five, I have the Miami Heat. The reigning Eastern champions will not go down without a fight. I still believe that they're like more talented teams in the East, but I still think that the Miami Heat should still be definitely feared. Very good roster, very scrappy. I think they're number five on my power rankings right now. Number four, the Los Angeles Clippers. Talked about them. I think they're going to be more motivated than ever. It was an embarrassing end to last year. I think they're going to try and you know fight off those narratives and they're going to try and put themselves back near the top of the NBA hierarchy. Number three, I have the Brooklyn Nets. Two injury recoveries kind of changed everything. They went from a borderline playoff team to a title contender. Um, great team up and down the roster. They should be automatically in the mix, especially with KD and Kyrie. That is good enough for you to be in the, in the finals mix. Number two, I have the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis is back on a five-year deal. They should not take the foot off gas pedal and go all for it this year. Last year's have been highly disappointing. I think they're they're on a mission this year to prove that they belong in the elite of the NBA and that they're not just a regular season team. And number one, I have the Los Angeles Lakers. Plain and simple, they're head and shoulders above the rest in terms of the championship competition. The best team in the league got better, and the league needs to like um, give the Lakers everything they got every night. Because this is a damn good team. And I think they're still number one favorites to win a championship. So yeah, that's TV's Power 10 for this week. Drop down below who I have too high, who I have too low. DM me, all these things. I am down to talk some basketball. But before we end the show, we got to end off with TV's Game of the Week. Like I said earlier, I'm going to be talking about the Warriors versus Nets. And the the Nets um, are have the spread. Minus seven. I'm gonna flip. I'm gonna flip and go to the Warriors. Um, they they have the Warriors like plus seven on the spread. I think that is gonna be a close game, especially for an opening night game. Steph is gonna keep them in this game. Um, it's definitely gonna be interesting to see who's gonna guard KD and Kyrie. But I think that the Warriors will not win. But I think it'll be a really close game. Curry will keep it close, but 
will just come up short. It will be a great um, first matchup. And my prediction um, for this game, I have the Nets winning at 108-104. And I think this is a really interesting matchup as well. I didn't mention this earlier, but Steve Kerr, you know, took over a team um, from Mark Jackson, which kind of didn't Mark Jackson build, but he kind of inherited it and just like did work right away. This is kind of what happened with Steve Nash. I mean, last year, Jacques Vaughn slash Kenny Atkinson had a good team, but they never really had a chance to use KD or Ky- and Kyrie together. And now Steve Nash comes into this situation, has these two, and I think they can have them kind of how Steve Kerr had it back in 2015 that the um, they had they were title contenders right away. I think Steve Nash is going to do the same thing this year. So yeah, um, those are that's my game of the week. Hopefully, I can start off the season one and zero. But I think this is where we're going to end today's episode. Thank you guys for watching and listening. Remember to show love on all the podcast channels. Like, share, and subscribe if you're on YouTube. And remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for great content. What's upcoming? Um, Wednesday, I'm still planning to do a YouTube video. Um, I'll let you know on Instagram and Twitter if anything, if I'm going to be missing out on that. Um, and again, on Friday, I'm going to be doing a special Christmas episode. I was planning to do it with some guests, but I've been kind of under the weather, and it's going to be hard for me to... It's, it's been hard for me to try and, like... Um, set up this thing because I've been kind of like sick over the past week but I'm still doing this like when I can and yeah I I think I'm still gonna have a good episode for you guys so watch out for that um and yeah thank you guys for all the support you've been giving me we're almost at 2,000 um downloads on this podcast which is absolutely fantastic thank you guys so much for showing your support and yeah I'm just excited for this for next for this upcoming season um what 2021 has for us and yeah, just excited for this podcast and where it will go. Yeah, hope you guys all have a fantastic day. Take it, take it easy, guys. TV's out.